This is Up for Debate, episode number 236, recorded July 1st, 2022. Insert coin, our summer of video game movie adaptations. Tonight, Street Fighter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast that whose thoughts and prayers are with the people of Shondaloo. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by a man who the only time he's ever said mm, bison is when he's looking at a restaurant menu. It's Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Mmm, bison. bison. You ever have a bison burger? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't, I don't think I don't so. I don't think I have either. Not not because I'm like against it. I just like no. where would I go where that's my best choice? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Um, how are you doing there, Mr. DJ? DJ. Uh, yeah, movie with a lot of great character names. I'm doing well, Matt. I think I'm doing a little better than last week's Super Mario Brothers episode. I'll tell you that. I'm certainly less confused. This movie did not confuse me, and it was pretty darn straightforward. Stop. Why does he claw my chair the second we start? Buddy, hey. he's he's getting ready to fight the uh, the minions of M Bison. That's now, what he's trying to and do. And now the dogs are growling at him for doing it. What is going on in my house? Uh, he wants to he wants to do his part for the uh, people of Shindalu. <laughs> Shindalu? I I thought it was Shadalu. Shadalu. Uh, that's the thing, and I guess that's where we can kind of start with this movie, right? We are uh, we are reviewing, of course. Uh, the Street Fighter movie from 1994, entitled Street Fighter. Uh, and we could start um, with the pronunciation of people's names and the names of things. Because it was very inconsistent throughout this movie, well, and I loved it. I'm so glad you're here, Matt, because you're a student of history. And mm. I have to be honest, I, I'm not as educated as you are. I'll put, I, look, I have a marketing degree, all right? I'm no historical genius. So I was not familiar with the plight of the people of Shondaloo. And so I'm very curious if you can educate us all a little bit on the history of this great nation and their proud people. Well, it's not a story that the Jedi would tell you. That's for sure. <laughs> also, I'm no Professor Layton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Running joke from, from before we started recording. But I'm sure even the great Professor Layton would tell you uh, that the country of Shidalu has, has really been through a lot. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's got a rich history. Um, it is a, a, a oft, oft forgotten country that apparently is located in uh, the Southeastern Asian Peninsula, at least from the title crawl, that's where it's to be affirmed. Even though it, it surprisingly doesn't appear on the map, I think they just, they just show like Southeast Asia as it is. And then as far as I know, they didn't have like... Yeah, so here you go. I, I've got this from Wikipedia. Shadaloo mm-hmm. City is a fictional location in a hostile dict- dictatorship under General M. Bison, depicted as a drug kingpin and war criminal opposed by the Allied Nations. According to maps shown during the film's opening, it is a fictitious country located in a segment of present-day Burma in Southeast Asia. It can be surmised from a song sung by Bison soldiers in two posters that the official lang- language is Esperanto. Esperanto. Yes. Which is a blend of European languages, which is all right. Interesting. That's, 
I like that it's because basically what I what I learned after watching, I, it took me a little while. It took me maybe maybe about like fifteen minutes into the film to realize that this entire thing was a joke, Sean. This whole thing is like a joke, right? Like, like they did this on a, as a joke, right? Like everything in the movie is a joke. I, I, I didn't think there was anything funny about it, Matt. <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it's my sick sense of humor. I this apologize. Is a, this, is a, a war, this is a serious People war film, Matt. For my, the, for my the, the brave Colonel Guile stood up for for the freedom of, of all of us. I, I don't know what's funny about that at all. I apologize to the AN, the Allied Nations. Um, I apologize, of course, to. Um, we lost some good General men that Kyle. day. A did we actually? Did any of the characters? Die? Did any of the named characters die? I think they pretty much all escaped. The doctor, yes. the the doctor uh, character. Well, th- that guy got changed into a beast. Charlie. Yes, Charlie. But I, I think he was okay in the end. I, I don't know if they changed him back. I can't remember, but I think he was okay. I think everybody was okay generally. Well, yeah, they all had to lost anybody. No, all. they had to jump in freeze frame at the end of the film. We didn't even lose any like NPCs. The like the background no. character. Everybody was fine. no. For the amount of stuff that blew up, it was pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, um, so where to begin mispronouncing things, pronouncing a lot of things <laughs> differently than I would have thought. Like I always thought it was Ryu, but in the movie they call him Ryu a lot. Ryu. That would have been my guess. So again, as I should point out, I know absolutely nothing about the game. Never played it. Never mm-hmm. seen it being played. I've never heard of any of these characters. So total blank. I was not surprised by any of the names and it was fun watching them throughout the movie slowly because so by the end of the movie where they're all wearing ridiculous outfits i'm like oh that must be what they look like in the video like at the beginning of the movie they're relatively normal and then they all are dressed and i'm like oh they had to get them in the game costumes by the end which was very fun and and honestly i thought that was some of the some of the most genius part of the movie was was like starting them out in clothes that you you don't expect these characters to wear. You haven't really, you're not really familiar. Because I think if they, if they, right, if they start it with the clothes that you're used to them wearing from the from the video game, then it is um, not as fun. It's not as interesting. Well, I think it's not, now it's like, oh, well, how did they become their, their characters, right? You kind of well, see that. Then, it reminds me of like the current uh, Sonic movie with um, Dr. Robotnik. Doesn't look like Dr. Robotnik right out the gate. He just looks like Jim Carrey. And then um, they, they got to kind of get him there, which is it's part of the fun. Well, the characters start out relatively, like, normal. Like, this is, a, in general, for a movie based on a video game, pretty straightforward. Like, there's basically no mystical, magical, over-the-top, implausible. I mean, I know that there's a little bit... But for a movie of this type, it's kind of grounded for the most part, I would argue. I mean, certainly the the dialogue and some of the actions over the top, but nothing really crosses into implausibility. Maybe the anti-gravity no, even the, issues. Even, I guess even the plot where it's, you've got this military conflict. Um, the part, what I was concerned with was I was like, all right, they've shown a lot of weapons, right? In the first couple scenes, there's tons of, like, a lot of guns and tanks and, and military stuff. And it's like, the name of the movie is Street Fighter, and the games are based purely on martial arts fighting. So my whole thing was, 
Are we going to see a lot of like military combat or like how are we going to get the street fighting like the hand to hand combat? And but that, they actually do a, a pretty convincing job of of being able to squeeze that in. And um, you don't really see a lot of gun action until pro- probably like the last the latter half of the movie, probably like the last nobody gets shot. Finally, when they finally storm M. Bison's hideout, nobody gets shot. No, it, so it actually, yeah. it actually was was pretty, uh, pretty neat. Um, it, the way that they they made it a lot more like they're more lethal with their martial arts style than the guns are. So yeah, I mean, and, and we'll get into more of the plot and the and the actors and all this, but I'm gonna come right out and say it, Matt. I, I'm not I'm not gonna hide my feelings here. I thought this movie was awesome. I thought this movie was great. This movie, it, to me, is everything I want in a video game adaptation movie. Like, it's stupid enough to be amusing, but not so stupid I hated it. And it was, like, action-y enough where it wasn't boring, but not so much action I got bored with it. Like, movies are... It's very hard for me to keep my attention to movies, and this one I just kept watching and laughing, and I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. Then, once again, we're, you can save this soundbite... We are once again in total agreement for a show called Up for Debate <laughs> because I, mean, I, is... I also love this movie. I, I can't I can't deny it. I thought it was great. I thought that even the, the like you said the dumber parts of the movie were not dumb enough to ruin my enjoyment of it. Um, in fact, I think it only really enhanced it and made it more memorable. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of the dumbness. Is probably having is probably just Jean Claude Van Damme in general. Not that he's dumb, but the fact that you make him the commander of the AN forces. He's got like an American flag on his arm, and he's like the leader. And then he 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 has like this 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 like very European accent. Very um, funny. Dutch is it Dutch? Is he Dutch? Is that where he's I from? I think I think that's Belgium? right. Yeah, something like that. But the muscles yeah, from, from Brussels, he's Belgian. Yes, he's Belgian. So yeah, he's got. But I love it. I love that that he didn't really hide it or conceal it at all. I love that he, they didn't dub him over with like a more American sounding. Like they could have done any of that. But it was kind of like it was like Schwarzenegger, right? It was like they want him to just sound like him, and they think that 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 kind of it, it's very iconic. And he's very iconic in this movie and in all his movies. So I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought that, I thought he, he he was like the king of the of campiness. Campiness is the way to describe this movie. But it's camp camp done well. It's camp done well because camp yeah, well, is very hard to pull off. And this one this this movie does it very well. Well, what I'll say is I'll say two things about Van Damme. Very good one-liners. It's the collection agency, Bison. Your ass is six months overdue, and it's mine. Like, just very... Or the other... What was the other... Uh, when he says that he tells... Um, he tells the... Uh, when they're being arrested, when he, when he breaks up the fight, and he has them, like, carted off, and he says... He, he says uh, that he calls himself the repo department... 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. Let me see if I can find the exact. Is that what you're thinking Thank of? You. I, I think I wrote it down. I wrote down all the stupid things that they said in this movie. I love it. This isn't, um, uh, Sagat says, this is an overguile. I own the city. He says, well, I'm the repo man and you're out of business. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because they're not even good one-liners. That's the thing. I, I think um, my favorite has to be when it's the nerdy official guy from the AN trying to yeah. tell him that they're going to thing it. And he says, Colonel, have you lost your mind? And he goes, no, you've lost your you've balls. Lost your balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, so serious. <laughs> but it's, it's like simple stuff, but like you don't hear it in other movies. So they're not like ripping anybody off. Whoever wrote these one-liners, I think personally like deserved their paycheck that day and every day after that they 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 did a great job uh i i also said that that an shill uh looked a lot like fred armison did you think he looked yeah i thought he looked like fred armison a little bit he looked like just kind of like how we had almost like the phil hartman lookalike in uh the mario movie i'm gonna have to see who he is because i swear he's from another movie i'm thinking of uh, but I'm gonna have to dig into IMDb and see if I can uh, um, see if I can find Ken, him. Ken has some pretty stupid lines in this movie. I think they they really portray him as like a very just very like kind of like a, a very dumb character. And I don't know if that was if that's necessarily how he is in the. Uh, he, he just seems like he's very aloof or something. That was like his one character trait was being stupid. Um, so they. They give him the line when he's in the, he's like in the M. Bison, or not M. Bison, he's in the Zagat's like underworld. He goes, wow, this place makes Detroit look like Disneyland. Yeah, I was like, what a slam on Detroit. (laughs) Yeah, take that, Detroit. You suck. It's like really suck Um, it, yeah. So, yeah, he he had some good ones. Uh, Oh, also... Are you with me or I'm not sure if he said this or Ryu, but are you with me or I think Ken said it. Um, M. Bison says, are you with me or against me when he captures them and brings them back to the lair? And Ken says, is that multiple choice? Which doesn't really make sense. Like, why would you say that? Are you with me? I guess it technically is multiple choice, but there's only two choices. It's not like. I don't know. That was a very, it was a very, I mean, I, I get it. I give him, I give him like three out of 10 because it's like, it's quickness, but it's like not, you didn't pull off the joke there. I think he, he needs to take a page out of uh, Guile's book and he should have said, no, you yeah. lost your balls. Oh wait, no, I'm reading the wrong line in the script. <laughs> well, um, I, but I, you know what? One thing I appreciated though is they did spread the love on the one-liners because I think every character at one point had a winky one-liner. Zangief was very funny to me because he pl- played the dumb guy at one point. He was looking at one of the zillion monitors in this movie where something bad was happening. He goes, quick, change the channel um, on one of the monitors. He had a lot of great lines too. Uh, but, ca- but can I tell you something, Matt? Because I kind of have a controversial opinion here. All right. I think That's Jean-Claude Van Damme was among if not the weakest part of the film I did not think he was good in this I really don't I think the rest of the cast outshined him wow now part of it I think is how it was written because he's not in that many scenes well it's like he's hard, not right? I wouldn't say he's 
he, he's got to share a lot of space with a lot of different a lot characters. of characters because yeah as well, as they know, start the movie separated right right they do um it, it's it would i think it's yeah it's tough i think i think they they did a good job giving him as much time as they could have because he's he is kind of the main character but at the same time he's not like he's not supposed to be the main character there's Street well, Fighter, but the Street Fighter lore is say, very complex. But he's also the biggest name actor on the film, and the film had a budget of about $35 million. They paid him $8 right. million of that budget. So you do the math. It's a significant fee. He was the biggest name on the poster. So I was just surprised he wasn't in it more. And to that effect, I thought everyone else was giving 110% of their performance, whether it was Ken and Ryu and their whole storyline... Uh, Saget, I thought was great. Obviously, we'll talk Raul Julia, who was just incredible. No, um, I, I don't know. I just thought, like, of all of the acting in this movie, his was the... Maybe because everyone else was so over the top. But I thought his was like... I don't know. He just... he he he. I had a low bar. He didn't really hit it. That's just my thought. I didn't love it. I don't it. know. Yeah, see, I, I disagree. I think he did... I think he did a great job. I, I wouldn't say that he... I mean, I, I even made a note of who my my favorites were Raul Julia and Mingna Wen. I thought that both of them were in charge of yeah, this. Yeah, she was great. I wrote down. I said that they were they were both in charge of the, they were in charge. So but I thought that he did he did fine. I thought that he um he was his role is like he's not the main character. I, I think even in the games, I remember Ryu and Ken were kind of both the main characters in the games and like there, it implied like this conflict between like Guile and Bison, but not like, I, like I guess like you said it, yeah. I guess to sell it was to mainly sell the movie because you got the big yeah. Nobody actor. wants a main character named Ken. Yeah, and and I'm glad that no, they I'm... didn't cast Van Damme as Ken because Ken was largely forgettable in this movie to me, other than just the random stupid things that he said. Actually, would have the, the the movie would have been better if he was just mute the whole time. Um, I right, come on, I don't like. <laughs> was he good as a sync? No, with Ryu, I thought the two of them were very funny the way they played he off was of a each sidekick, other. I yeah. also, I also thought it was smart to put Chun Li with the news crew again. Mm. It was like all these sort of small groups throughout Raul Julia and his crew, and like having these small interplays. I think was a really smart way to construct this movie introduce you to the characters and then towards the end of the movie they all come together and sort of smash up and intermix i think it was smart because i do think if you wrapped the whole movie around jean-claude van damme i don't think it would have been as interesting true no and and it's in, in this kind of movie you have to you got to give love to all the uh, all the characters um and i will say this is uh the because I, I had to look it up where this is in jean-claude van damme's career uh, and this is literally the absolute utmost peak of his career, um, December of 1994. Prior to this, he had had quite a run, uh, Universal Soldier, Nowhere to Run, Hard Target, and then right before, they actually earlier in 1994 was Time Cop, the most successful film, uh, essentially, of his career until you get to The Expendables and some of that later stuff he guested in. But in, as a leading man, it was Time Cop, and then A Street Fighter came out in the same year, and after that, his career just sort of... Uh, fell apart following that hmm. oh um i just i just read here on the wikipedia page that uh D'Souza, the director um 
he was not actually going for a fighting movie. He wanted to, he didn't want to make a martial arts movie. He said he described this yep. film as a cross between Star Wars, James Bond, and a war film. Do you think that it hits that target? You know, first of all, if people don't know, Stephen E. D'Souza, um, a huge writer um, of uh, action films, um, including uh, Commando, 48 Hours, the, one of my favorite movies, The Running Man, Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Beverly Hills Cop 3, uh, Judge Dredd, um, a, an absolute famous writer. Um, and I would say... I was watching this movie and I felt very James Bondy. I really, really did. I was like, if it was Pierce Brosnan in this movie, it's of that campy 90s sort of one-liner-y, over-the-top warlord kind of. I'm like, okay, like tech, there's a technology angle. Again, Very all the James Bond villains were very high-tech guys. Um, yeah, this felt extremely James Bondy to me. And I loved that fact about it. Yeah, I I was actually thinking that now that since I read it, uh, I was I could kind of see I could kind of see all those things in there, um, which all those things were really popular at the time, right? Early '90s, um, Star Wars, James Bond, war films. You had like uh, that was the time of like um, Saving Private Ryan was still like four years away, but it was a couple other war movies out by that time um and uh he cited super mario brothers um as an example of that's how what he not didn't want to do video game movie yeah that's what he didn't want to do smart man and this is very not <laughs> yeah. super mario brothers um, I'm, I'm i will very point glad. out by the way because i had to google this yeah, I, I'm very bad with years, but uh, one year later, GoldenEye comes out, and this is very mm -hmm. feels very GoldenEye. So I I can totally see the parallels for sure. So we we um we went over GoldenEye, and we went over all the James Bond movies. We also ranked all the villain plans at the end. How would you rank M Bison's plan? Right, that was some of my favorite parts of when we did the James Bond series was ranking the plan yeah. of the villain. How is this? Is his plan? Um, where would you Where would you put it in the in the on the scale of Bond villains? That's an outstandingly good question. I think up to the point he forgetting what he wanted to do moving forward, getting up to the point he was at in the film. What a great job! Like this guy. As explained in the film, Warlord, who slowly builds his way up, he's, he's taking over territory, he's buying and selling drugs, and then he sells drugs to buy high-tech weapons. I think at one point it says he has an arsenal that, like, matches anything in the Western world, which is, like, incredible, and he has all this crazy monitors and technology, and it's very high-tech, very James Bond villainy. I think getting up to the point he got at Literally, the U the AN was going to pay him $20 billion for some hostages. Like, this dude is in charge. Now, the idea, at one point he talks about eventually he wants to take over England next and, like, kill the queen and all this kind of stuff. I, I think he wants, his head he got a little too he big. 
Right, and force the. Mm. Then he has his own currency that he's going to make the world currency. I I think if he had left, because at one point he has that awesome model of his city that he's going to build, which they hilariously destroy in a Godzilla joke with the two big guys crushing it later in the film. I think mm. if his plan was just like I'm going to own Asia and build my city, and it's going to be like I think he could have actually succeeded in doing that. Like he seemed most of the way there. He had satellites and shit in 94. So I give him big thumbs up. However, I think his grand grand plan was a bit of a stretch. What, what did you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I, I thought that the currency thing was really interesting. I, I was like, oh, like his plan isn't stupid at all. Like his plan actually is kind of intricate. Like he wants to, he wants to create his own currency. Uh, and that's the, when he, I think he tells, um, who does he tell about it? Zan- is it uh, Zangief or is it uh Zagat at one point because he tries to pay pay him in that moment. Right. And, and Zagat gets like I- mad and throws throws the money in the fire. And he's explaining his yeah, plan. And he's like, actually money. this actually it sounds kind of kind of interesting. Like he's gonna he wants to create introduce his own currency. Like he's kind of talking about like a cryptocurrency um that he's gonna kind of like like um control or manipulate. For his own financial gain. Um, and he's going to use like a ground army to do it. To like in- enforce it. Um, he's got the super soldiers. And he actually yeah. makes one. It actually worked. Like that is such a James yeah. Bond thing. That would never actually work. Right. But he they actually made like a super that. soldier. He does. Right. He actually. It actually works. He has that scientist. He's, I think he, as far as villains go. I think M. Bison is, is probably like a t- top tier villain. Like certainly of all the other, like certainly one of the most successful dumbass bond villains that we've, we've talked about on this show talking about sending people to space and creating a space eugenics program or like for some reason, the Moonraker villain really always sticks out in my mind. It's like, what the hell? Like what kind of plan is this? But like, um, yeah, he, he wasn't, he wasn't going to create an earthquake that was going to sink Silicon Valley into the ocean so he could have a monopoly on microchips. That would be cool. Right. Or, or he doesn't want to contaminate the <laughs> contaminate the gold supply of, with radiation, so nobody can touch the gold. <laughs> Fort Knox. Oh, James Bond. Oh, our favorite. Fifty years, or however long it was. So, listen, um, if J- if if M Bison was a Bond villain, he would definitely rank very high. So even outside of his yeah. plan, just as a villain, like, Raúl Julia, unfortunately, in his final role was yeah. immaculate. Yeah, and and definitely um, uh, unbelievable ro- uh, uh, job that he did as M. Bison. Uh, I, I looked up a little bit about Raúl Julia, and he he was like a Shakespearean actor. Like he he acted alongside uh, a lot of famous people. He acted alongside Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep. <laughs> um, he acted alongside Meryl Streep. In um, uh, a Shakespeare play, Taming of the Shrew, uh, and alongside Christopher Walken in a revival of Othello. Um, so he and he was also in. Yeah, he was in the rookie. Clint Eastwood's the rookie. He was in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart. Uh, he also won Golden Globe. He was nominated for two performances for the Golden Globe for The Tempest and Kiss of the Spider Woman. 
Oh, j- no, it's just, yeah, the, yeah, The Tempest, yeah. The Tempest and Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah. Um, also, a four-time t- Tony nominee. Yep, Tony nominee. He was alongside Al Pacino, The Panic in Needle Park. So he did a lot of really great work. And this was, he did all of that. And then his role as M. Bison in the Street Fighter movie it was his final role, uh, his final acting role. Which he, but I think they gave him a very nice. He did win a thing. Saturn Award for. Yes, he did, and he was. I think he was to be posthumously, fair. posthumously nominated. Um, he got some posthumous nominations after that, also, uh, for this role. Yeah. So no, he and and the reason he did the movie was because his kids loved the video game. What a great story. And he actually was fighting cancer while they shot it mm. um, and passed away from a stroke not long after. So a real a real tough story there. But I think he was... I mean, some of the speeches he gave... Uh, and, and again, walking that incredibly fine line with being a megalomaniac character but not having it come off as over the top. Like, it was borderline believable, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. No, he, it was great. His performance ruled... And it was amazing. Um, he was in. He was in like. If you name a musical, he was like, or or any kind type of play for that matter. He was in. He was yeah. in a lot of plays. Won a lot of awards. So he's great, Raúl Julia. Um, he got a nice send off at the end of the movie. Um, and I guess there was talk of a sequel, but then that died. That kind of died out. And. Um, did you did you watch after the credits? Uh, no, I actually only read that the scene was there. I should have checked. Yeah, a quick scene. He's like buried in, in the bunch of the, in the rubble of his like hideout. And um, I thought that was done really well, too. They have the um, as it's as the credits are like slowing down at the end. The last credit is for Capcom, the, the game company behind the video game and they say then you hear like the word um it's like a bunch like kind of like a garbled kind of like a garbled computer voice like a voice malfunctioning and then it's you could kind of make out that it's saying um battery uh emergency battery rebooted or solar battery rebooted and it says it like and every every time it says it it's more and more clear and then finally it says like solar batteries rebooted and it's his battery of like his life support system and then it shows him like the fist coming out of the like rubble and then um he you don't see him at all you just see his hand and it, it's like a computer it's a really old like early 90s computer screen and it says like what file will you access today and then the hand goes to like world domination and it says retry and so he clicks retry yep. and then it goes that's 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 a, i thought that was a great post-credit scene um, yeah, there were some give some much clever away, video game video game references. I mean, he sort of controls his little hovercraft with a joystick and like an arcade mm-hmm. buttons, and, and there are a few little video game jokes in there. Yeah, and it, it didn't feel like they were shoving it down our throat every chance they got, like in the Mario movie. Like yeah. the Mario movie, it was like yep. it was all it seemed very forced, and it was forced in, in weird situations. It was forced in like where. Well, it but didn't I also think. It, it makes a next week we're going to do Mortal Kombat. I, I think we'll, we're going to learn as we go through this that certain games make sense to adapt and certain games don't. And I think this, I was impressed. So I did a little bit of research on the game, but I was impressed at how much was created whole cloth for the movie. 
that wasn't part of the canon in 1994 yet. And how much it just naturally made sense. Whereas with Mario, I think there was so much canon already established by uh, 1993 that they kind of were stuck with it. So I think it was nice that they had the flexibility. Like, how do these characters know each other? Like, where would they interact? And those sorts of things um, without being forced into it. Right. And I, I think also, to your point, they were, they're going off of the, uh, a, a game that's... This movie seemed a lot more confident and comfortable with itself than the Mario movie. Um, I'm thinking maybe we'll see that from the Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat movie as well. Like it, it knew what it was and it knew what it was not. And the Mario movie, it had a lot of identity confusion where it was like um, a movie that's supposed to be for kids. But then you have scenes where people are getting transformed into dinosaurs and the dinosaurs are like hyper realistic looking. They're not like kid dinosaurs. Yeah. And then you also have like you also have scenes where like there there's besides the upsetting imagery you have like a, like some kind of adult things going on and and here it's like okay we know our audience is you know it's like older a little bit older maybe than the the Mario audience and yet like the, a lot of it's it's very cheesy it's very campy it's very like silly where i think the Mario you got all that stuff going on but they and they try to make it campy and it's it it it's hard to fit those two things in one. It's like you're going for horror, but you're also going for camp, but you're trying to direct the movie at young kids and that rarely works. So um, I think that this movie knew its audience and knew what it wanted to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. How would you rank Bowser's? Yeah, uh, I would agree. Or King, I'm sorry, King Koopa. How would you rank King Koopa's plan uh, from last movie compared with, uh, well, Compared with M. Bison's, I guess, or or any Bond villain, <laughs> we should make like a like a Again, scale, I, Bond villain scale. It'd be like it would be like, like one of those four corners. Goldfinger, charts. yeah, Goldfinger would be like all the way at the at the left end, like the worst end where he his, he wants to irradiate gold. For I some think reason. that's a good plan. Hang on, I'll challenge no, you. That's a good plan. A really gold, stupid. He had plan. a good plan. Come on, I, I'd have to go terrible. look at my notes as to what I ranked. Um, the, I might have my notes actually. And then uh, I think he would be on one end. And then I think you would have um, Rami Malek's plan, Safin's plan from uh, No Time to Die. I think he had one of the best plans of all, which was he was going to uh, – he was going to – Actually, Matt. Uh, poison everybody with nanobots. Yeah. I found my Bond rankings. Yes. Because I wrote them down in an Excel sheet. I found them. And just so you're aware, uh, my, my, this is my list. My mm. number one best plan was Dr. No, actually, using a radio beam to topple rocket launches. So simple, yet effective. Oh, yeah. Actually, that is a good and then, plan. I think we agreed on that. And yeah. then my, my worst plan was Casino Royale, where you're just recouping lost money by winning in a poker game. Not a great plan. That's kind no. of his whole plan in the movie, is to make money playing not, a poker game. Not quite as dumb as the irradiating gold so that nobody could touch it. No, Goldfinger, it. I, that was my fifth, my number five best plan. Here were my other worst ones. Where this is going to be but about it's only Bond, a specific I, select amount of gold that would barely really do anything to the economy. I think it would have. I, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> no, I had a Blofeld and You Only Live Twice, 
which was he was capturing space capsules to trigger a war between countries, which I thought was whack. And then Live and Let Die, where they were dumping heroin into the U.S. market to drop the prices, then take it away to create a monopoly, which I also thought was pretty overblown. Hmm. So anyway, in case anyone was curious, I would I would uh, looking at this list now, I think Bison probably yeah top five, pretty good. But where where does King I, Koopa's plan rank? Well, again, I would challenge you because I would say if you go to the point of the movie, he was very successful. He was running the city, like he was in yeah. charge. He had deposed the old king, and, and the coin was called Koopa coins. Like he ran the goddamn city. He, he was everything. He was the ultimate dictator. Just be okay with that. Like, why do you have to merge dimensions? No. See, that? yeah, that like, was, that was where it was. You're taking it too far. Yeah. You've right. already won. Right. He basically had. He had already. He should have just been happy with that. But he wasn't. He was selfish. And what? Did he really think he was going to take over the human realm? Like, they clearly have better weapons. They have an army. And better like, technology. Many armies. Many and armies. And resources. Yeah. And, and by the way, they humans cover the whole globe. There are like several billion of them. How many Koopa City was the only active place in the alternate reality planet? How many people live there? Like I think we just outnumber them. Bad plan. So good, plan. good villain. Bad plan. See, it, it would have made more sense if he was going to expand outside of Dinoopolis or Dinohattan, and he was going to go to like other places in the alternate universe. Because presumably that's not the only place in the alternate universe. Maybe those places, the other but that places would have been a be Maybe they're all like... To me, that's toad. a better rewrite. Toad, like toad people. I would, ad I would adjust and say putting the crystal into the meteorite doesn't merge the realities, it flips them. So everybody in Dino Hatton goes to Earth Realm, and everyone in Earth Realm has to go, and they like that's how they take over Earth, by getting rid of all the Earth people. That makes more sense as a plan to me, and if that's the plan, it's a damn good one. Unfortunately, they didn't really... Think. Explain any of it. Did not think. <laughs> um, but this plan, I thought this plan was great. M. Bison's plan to get back to him because this plan was was realistic. It was simple. It was very easy to understand. He even had a, like a <clears throat> a step two, right? He's going to kidnap the Queen of England and then he's going to like hold her for ransom and force Parliament, I guess, to accept his currency, like M. Bison coin, M. Bison current dollars. Interesting. Also, you know, assuming that I, I got the vibe that in this in this universe, all, we it was like a time where all of the armies formed like one. Like the Allied nations are like a. What's the lore on the Allied nations? The AN. It's the UN with a different name. Like, I don't. I don't think they really UN got much it, farther. See, I got the vibe. No, that I'm ninety percent. I thought it was like all the nations just were now allies and they have this army called no. the AN, which is like the, like kind of like the Earth no. Defense Force. No, 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 no. I think it is a, a UN allegory. Was my guess anyway. Yeah. Because they didn't seem more powerful than the UN. Did they? What did they do that the UN couldn't? The UN has peacekeeping forces. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess they really didn't. Yeah, they didn't like. No, they are probably. And then why would you if you? UN. Yeah. Are they even call yeah, them that AN was, that was peacekeeping weird. forces? I don't know. Because otherwise, do then point. then his plan doesn't his plan isn't that great because, like, the British have like the SAS and. 
Like but that's my point. They were going to pay him the ransom theory. money. Like he's yeah. winning. He's yeah. he's succeeding. That's what's crazy. It's like right. the idea that he used the drug money to buy the advanced weaponry. Like that's so smart. Like that's yes. a good idea. Uh, yes. So I he give had, him some good a lot of credits. And I have, I was trying to find his big long speech uh, that he gives that's very inspirational about what he's trying to do. But I did find this quote when he's speaking to the architect of his little bison city. And he says, the temple above us was a wonder of the ancient world. Bisonopolis shall be the wonder of my world. But I think the food court should be larger. All the big franchises will want in. (laughs) Which is a great line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had some good ones. Because he does... That's kind of his angle is because um, he claims, I mean, he does it in like an insane way, but that's he wants to uh, create peace in the world by uh, ruling all of it and forcing people to have peace. So he was he was in uh, an enterprising individual. He was a he had a lot of a lot of ideas, and I think his ideas were pretty good for a villain. A lot of good villain ideas. So basically, we're pro bison, is what we're saying. I was kind of, but I was. See, the thing was, I was unclear about why does he take those hostages in the beginning of the movie? Is it to incite to twenty billion dollars? He's going to ransom them. Yeah, yeah, and I believe so that's, he would yeah, that's have. Smart. That's, yeah, that's wise. Like my favorite, what I really liked is when they uh, in the beginning of the movie when uh, Chun Li is interviewing Guile and and Guile says like we're going to come we're coming for you hostages you hear me Charlie like specifically mentioning at one of the hostages yeah, by smart name plan. thereby thereby signaling him out to the villain that that he is important bold move because now you know like does that guy is he going to get tortured is he going to get executed on the spot like you you have now singled out one of the many hostages for like being special or important and you don't i don't know hostage negotiation 101 uh like it's not part of my training but i would guess you don't want to do that i'm guessing that that's a bad idea in any kind of hostage negotiation is to single out one hostage and put them above the welfare of the group because if you know that that person is more important right the hostage takers will like either extort them for more money or torture them or maybe kill them. Like there's there's a reason. Like based on their motivations. So, yeah, I think. And again, that's when my mind then goes to the poor screenwriter who had to write this uh, film. And like, how do we turn one of them into a big green Hulk guy? Huh? And they like had to connect the dots all the way through. And you're like, oh, if you backtrack it from, he has to be a green super soldier at the end. And then, oh, I guess Guile does have to call him out because he has to be the one experimented on. You know, that's just funny to me where you're right. It makes no sense. But when you have to reach that conclusion, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that that is now that you mention it. Yeah, because he is a big green like Hulk creature in the in the games uh, in, in Street Fighter 2. So it's kind of like. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that they have to they have to get there with these characters. Like the the Chun Li outfit, like she doesn't have she has regular yes. reporter. She's got like regular reporter clothes for the entire movie, and it's just like when M Bison like captures her, he like makes her wear that like really cool red dress that she wears in the game. It's like oh, that's how she got that dress. That's kind of cool. Like 
Um, for Guile, is Guile just in that costume the whole time, or is it like? Yeah, basically. Like... That's. I mean, in the in the game, it's basically army fatigues. I mean, it's nothing right too hard to get into no but it's it's just that i like i really like how they they got everybody but, there it's like oh and then by the end the but i appreciate scene, it they all like pose together so funny balrog yeah. at one point he gets his balrog has because he's a boxer as he is in the games mm -hmm. and at some point he just gets boxing gloves and i don't yep. think it's ever really explained where he gets them from but suddenly I, he I has boxing gloves and I'm like, that's awesome. Totally don't have to. This is like, all right, he found them somewhere. I don't know. Maybe Bison has them somewhere. Well, he's got the he's, Bison has that whole like training area where they train like the henchmen, which I, where, I where really Ken like. Where Ken and Ryu get their karate they, they outfits. bring Ken and Ryu down there, yeah, to get like trained, and they uh, <laughs> this is where we we all trained to, to fight the AN forces. Um, and I thought the fighting was not bad in this i mean i wouldn't say it was like no. the best martial arts i've ever seen but i thought it was relatively passable no and it wasn't exhausting like some that is a concern with yes. some martial arts movies is that it gets exhausting it gets to be like too much fighting and this wasn't that it did not overstay its welcome at all um i thought that it was a perfect balance perfectly balanced amount of action and story um But yeah, it and Matt, the best thing I can say about this movie is it ended on a freeze frame where all the characters jump and then the logo comes on screen. Does, oh, yeah. that, does movies get any better than that? Had to end that way. I think they, they all even pose. all said, yeah, yeah, Street Fighter. That was great. Freeze frame. Um, yeah, I think all of the the future movies that we watched this summer are they have some this They've left some big shoes to fill right here. I would agree. I, I think by the end of the I'm hoping we can have figured out what the sort of our best adaptations are. I'm not even looking for a good film. My, my goal for this summer, and then eventually if we do some later uh, video game movies, is to figure out what is the ultimate adaptation of a video game to a movie. And I think... For early video games, where they had less plot, they were simpler, the graphics were simpler, there wasn't as much to work off of, um, I think Street Fighter hits the time right. Because these were the kind of movies that were being made and were, being po were relatively popular. This was a financial success at the box office. Made $100 million then, that's about $200 million now. And I, I, it was a relative hit. I think... Mortal Kombat's going to be interesting because it's similar but more mystical, so I'm curious how they handle that. Lara Croft Tomb Raider, I think, might be its best sort of competition for, for the running. We'll see. But um, I think of the 90s films, this, this, was, a, uh, this was a good one. I would, I would consider watching this again. That's how much I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and as with, speaking of rewatching, as with tradition, uh, we've got to see if they have a drinking game. <laughs> I don't know if the movie's popular enough. You know, it did bother me. I will say, Matt, I think if I watched this in 1994, I wouldn't like it as much. Because there is some sort of retro uh, aspect to movies used to be made this way, quote-unquote-ness that, like uh, that I liked about it with the like more legitimate fighting scenes, no CGI, uh, very practical, lots of one-liners. So I do think it gets some extra points being so far uh, away from it.
They actually have. They do have one. It's okay. Basic though. Okay. Um, would you like to hear it? Sure, of course. We have I'm to talk to about these before we do the movie, so I can drink while we're watching it. One day we will. One day we will. I want to find a. Uh, yeah, all right. This is the only one I can find. If you listening at home and you find a better one, at us. Um, but the best one is. Oh wait, wait, wait. Yes, this is okay. I found a, I found a better one. It's not letting me get to it. Okay, I found a better one. Um. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to try to guess what's on it? Um. No, because I really don't know uh, what they would. What they would do? I, every time M. Bison talks about being a god, take a drink. Uh, every time Cammy says guile. Um, every time Chun Li says the name of the network she works for, but I don't think any yeah, of these happen enough. Be... Happen enough to so make it. What I have here, um, every time Bison or Bisonopolis is mentioned, which actually is a lot. That one. That's his name. Was... Right. That's his. That's his name. That's I not a good drinking cut game. It, cut it to Bisonopolis when he talks about Bisonopolis. Sure. Um, every time the word home is uttered, which I thought is very smart because it's, it's not, remember like home, you, you want to go home? Everybody here wants to go home. They mention yeah. it quite a bit. Once yeah, we do this, yeah, once, we beat, once we beat Bison, we can go home. The goal is to beat Bison and then we can all go home. They mention it. It's <laughs> like, it's nice because it's like spread out throughout the movie enough. It's not all just in like packed in one scene. But they do say it does. They do say it quite frequently. It's like, well, this, well, this, this is now my Shadalu is now my home. Like, welcome to my home. It's it's there, and it's it's. But it's not. I don't. I don't think it's there enough where it's going to kill you. Every time someone flexes or strikes a pose. Every okay. time, yeah, that's a good. One. Someone gives a cheesy line or pun, which is basically every time okay. Guy opens his mouth, um, or Ken. Uh, every time a new major player is introduced to the film. Okay. Um, every time a special move is performed in the film, which I don't think That's that happens one. all that. It, it does happen, but not all that much. I don't. Um, and lastly, uh, every time a character throws a punch for real, Like like a real punch, is that's yeah. an interesting one because that doesn't happen that. Yeah, much. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not impressed so far. When a character changes their clothes into their real Street Fighter outfit, finish your drink. There you go. That's a, <laughs> yes. That's a good one. I like that. I like that and one a lot. When Bison says "game over," finish your drink. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I would probably add. 
every time Bison's automated computer lady talks, take a drink. Mm -hmm. Because she talked a weirdly large amount. I would say every time there's a CRT monitor on screen, take a drink. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there were a lot of those. Yeah, I, I I forgot that the last one was whenever characters interact through TV screens is also taking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a that's a solid one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that. Not a great drink. I game. like the. I always I'm always a fan of the finish your drink during one of the iconic moments, parts of a drinking game because then it's like it seems like a like a celebratory moment. And I think that's a really good one when game over. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is a much better one I think than last week. All, all in a, pretty much all across the board in movie and in I, terms of drinking game. I think it's Yes. No, I way. think I think this one was more enjoyable. I think Super Mario Brothers was more interesting. I think it was certainly more unique, but I think this was a good popcorn cinema blockbuster kind of middle of the summer movie. Whereas I think if you took me to an art house studio and played super Mario brothers, I'd be like, huh, weird. You know, I don't think that's like a big, a big mm-hmm. cinema film for me. No, it's, it's um, almost, it had vibes of like a really high budget. The Mario one had vibes of like a really high budget student project. If you just yeah, if you were like, like did you know that? If you said like, did you know David Lynch directed the Super Mario Brothers right. movie? I'd be like, huh, good for him. <laughs> sure, yeah, that makes sense. Um, now, Matt, we've got to score this movie. Before we do that, I did forget to say my favorite, probably my favorite Bison line of the movie. Um, and I just I saw it here, and I didn't want to forget uh, when he's talking with Chun Li. He says, "For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life." But for me, it was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Love that line. Because it's not a funny line. He no, just he sells it, it so well. hard. Oh. Mm-hmm. That is such... I'm like, this dude's fucked up. Yeah, he delivers it so well. Uh, great, great performance. We had two, yes, two very strong point. villain performances. Yeah, I agree. And in totally different ways. But I appreciated, in both cases, they felt very psychopathy, megalomaniac kind of guys. So mm. I will say, I do think for sure Raul Julio was putting in more work than Dennis Hopper. That was not a yeah. hard performance for Dennis Hopper. It was good, was not difficult. <laughs> no, he was cashing, definitely cashing a check. But... And he wasn't doing stunts either. That's the He wasn't being thrown nope. around. Nope. Um, That's true. Now... Matt, we have to score this film. Uh, we've uh, scored many films in the past. Um, what, what should tonight's scale be? What should we be grading it on? Um, let's grade it. You, you mentioned that there were there were a lot of uh, TV screens. Yes. Right. So we can we can say TV screens, uh, or I don't know. This one you could use joysticks because this game actually. Used a, a joystick in, a, in the cabinet. No, I like that. Well, well let's rate it mm-hmm. one out of ten uh, 90s TV screens playing GNT News. Okay. With, with, with your reporter, Chun-Li. Chun-Li, yes. 
Played by, I don't know if we even mentioned it, but played by Ming-Na Wen, who is in The Mandalorian now. Oh, she's so good. Agents she's of S.H.I.E.L.D., she was awesome in that. Literally does not age, because she looks um, very much the same. Than no, she's life. super talented. Yeah. Oh, she was the voice of Mulan. I didn't know that. Yes, she was the voice of Mulan. She did a lot of things. Um, yeah, she's got a pretty rockin', uh, rockin' list of uh, credits here. No, she's great. Um, so Matt, how would you how would you rate this on the one to ten scale? Um, I would I would probably give it eight eight TV screens out of out of ten. Yeah, solid solid movie. I would watch it again, which is a huge thing. I don't really watch a lot of movies uh, over. I'm not a big rewatcher, but this one I, I would I would watch again. Um, where did where did you watch your your uh, where did you get your viewing experience from? I rented mine from Amazon from Amazon. Yes, Prime. I did it as like, well. Four, like and it looked it looked good. It looked good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did. Um, yeah. I, I, although I will say the 4k copy of super Mario brothers we had looked really good. I'm going to try and see if there's 4k versions of any of these upcoming films. Cause the, when yeah. you take the film and you upscale it, it looks so good. It does. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I like that we have a different scale every time because then you can't compare it to other scores. Because be like, this is out of TVs, and then back in the Bond series, we did it out of exploding space shuttles or whatever. So I don't feel like an idiot if I give this a nine, and somebody says, "But Sean, you only gave Gone with the Wind a seven, and you, you can't compare them." Um, no, different, different. I think currencies. Oh, we could have done enjoy, bison I, bucks. Tr- Eight bison bucks. Oh, we should do. We should do did bison they, bucks. Even, that's a, he, that's a good one. Name of his were they bite? Were they called bison bucks? They should have been. What the hell That's else were you? A call really them? good question. Bison dollars, like. But I know if I. It got to be bison bucks. But if I Google bison M bills? bison currency, bison dollars. Bison dollars. Come on, bison Somewhat... bucks, man. What a missed opportunity. Well, someone wrote. Or at least bison bills. Oh, apparently bison became. Bills. Apparently, a few years ago, it became. A meme a few years ago when Bitcoin first started. according to this article from 2018 where uh it was a meme going around and everyone would talk about bitcoin they'd play the uh the scene from the film where sagat's like this isn't real this is you just made (laughs) this up um he 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 says this is the exact line from the film sagat says is this a joke this money isn't worth the paper it's printed on and he says on the contrary every bison dollar will be worth five british pounds once i've kidnapped their queen um and so people, which I guess, if, used it as a meme, which is very funny. If completely out of context, would it would be actually a really funny... You could hear it, like, on The Simpsons. Like, I'm thinking of the guy, the, uh, the, the guy that Homer works for, and he's actually, like, a... Are you familiar with The Simpsons? How, what's your extent? Burns, of yes. No, 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 not, not, not the much. guy he regularly works for. The, the guy, in one episode, Homer quits his job and gets hired by this guy who's very much a Bond villain. No. Ah, uh, okay. No, I don't have. Did not see that one. Uh, uh, anyway, it's Hank Scorpio is his yes. name. Hank Scorpio. So it reminded me a little bit of him because this is like something he would do. Is <laughs> yeah. Um, he works for him in like this in this like volcano laboratory, like basically taken right from uh, "You Only Live Twice." It's, yeah, it's like a Bond parody, but 
Um, how many bison um, bison bucks? Because I'm just going to call them bison. How many bucks. Bison dollars. Um, I, bison I bucks. would say. I think in the so I think. I mean, I literally just said that we um, just said that we can't compare the scores. But if I think of what I did, I think last week I was like a five and a half, maybe or a six and a half, somewhere in there for Super Mario Brothers. I think this one is definitely. I'm going to go with. I'll probably back you up. I'll probably go with an eight as well, mostly just on enjoyment. I think if I was scoring it solely on how is it as a film, it would be lower. But I think my overall score is going to scroll up a little bit uh, just to the fact that it was just nice to watch. Like, I don't I don't need every movie to be the Marvel, like, beam from the sky is going to destroy the universe shit. Like, I like how small and inconsequential this movie was. Like, he wasn't even threatening to blow up the Earth or anything. It was, like, maybe 20 hostages. Like, the stakes were pretty low comparatively. And so it wasn't, like, overly aggressive in that respect. No, true. He was he was going to... I think he was teetering on ex- executing the hostages at the end of the movie, though. I think that's when Guile busts in and saves them. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's rel- I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty low scale. He wasn't like yeah. shooting missiles off or some of the some and of the even, although, got real. There were one of them was gonna hijack a nuclear submarine and like detonate it. Like some of them it's collateral. Yeah, damage. one of them actually stole a nuclear warhead attached to an airplane. Yep. Um in Thunderball. So uh, you know, and I don't think you think about it, he was asking with inflation about forty billion dollars today. That's a big amount of money, but not an implausibly large amount of money. No. Like a good ask, a solid ask. No, I, I, I yeah, back him it's, up. it's um, very tangible. Yeah, Matt, what a film! Um, mm. I, I think we definitely enjoyed it. We're off to a good two movies. I definitely don't regret watching so far, but we'll have oh, to no. see if that changes uh, with next week's Mortal Kombat. I love the song. That's kind of the only thing I know about the movie is the the theme song. Um, yeah. Have you seen Mortal Kombat? I have not. I have not. I've played the games, some of them, but I am uh, I have not seen the movie, so I'm going in completely, completely cold to this. So I think that's the good way to go in. Yeah, I'm. I am kind of excited. Uh, and funny enough, I actually did see the. Uh, 2021 reboot. So I actually have seen that. I've never seen the original. So I'm kind of excited. Um, 1995's Mortal Kombat. We'll be watching that next time and continuing on our movie summer. What a treat, Matt. Uh, we appreciate everyone out there for joining us. It's been great so far. The end of this. I'm going to run out of the quarters. <laughs> Got to get more. Go get go get some quarters from your parents, Matt. Get them in the yeah. get them in the arcade machines. I'm glad um, we do this once a week because I you know my allowance. It's only like 50 cents, so. But you got to get the high score. Yeah. You got to get the high score. Uh, we certainly want our listeners to get the high score. You can get the high score by checking out the show wherever it's available, podcast form, wherever you get podcasts and video version on YouTube. Of course, you can uh, contact us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter, email us TV at gmail.com. Matt, we're going to wrap it up here. We appreciate everyone joining us. As always, on behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. We'll see you next time for another great episode of Up for Debate.
This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.